Okay, Todd, uh, thanks so much for joining us today on EdTech Today. Uh, I appreciate your time. Yeah, it's great to be here, Kevin. And I uh, have been doing these podcasts for a little bit uh, over a year now, at least twice a week, speaking with executives such as yourself. And unfortunately, the topic uh, has had to surround COVID-19. I'm so tired of talking about it. I'm so tired of thinking about it. Nevertheless, it's still here. It's still something that we have to uh, deal with. Uh, the good thing is, um, I think it seems to me the level of my conversations are looking forward uh, and looking at not only some, maybe some of the silver linings of the, of the pandemic, but also ways in which we can improve how we teach uh, and learn. So maybe we'll start off and talk a little bit about your experiences with Wiley during this crazy time. Give us a little, just a, a brief uh, synopsis from you know, that Black Friday, Friday the yes. 13th, March 13th, it <laughs> seems to be the date that people talk about. Absolutely. You know, so around that time, you know, we were a 100% in-person company uh, for the most part. We had, you know, a few people here and there at the margins, lots of different offices. And specifically in my business that's focused on online education and helping universities power online degrees, we still had contact centers of enrollment counselors, marketers, advisors, instructional design specialists, all, all you can think of um, working in, in an in-person environment. And uh, fortunately, we had an incredible technology team that really prepared us, prepared us for this moment. But obviously, with a snap of the fingers within a day, you know, we thought it might be a couple of days or a week or whatever. We all went home. And next thing you know, 15 months later, we are um, as I like to say now, um, taking our own medicine, right? So the virtual right. work environment is something that, you know, I believe we've, we've come out of it stronger than ever and shown that, um, you know, we could do work remotely. And it also allowed us, I think, to empathize better with the students that we service, the tens of thousands out there that, and the university is thinking, you know, online education is something that we can do maybe on the side, some graduate programs, little support in the summer, Whereas obviously everyone had the same experience overnight as well, going right to Zoom, you know, which of course isn't online education and happy to, you know, fully to, to unpack that as well for you. Uh, so for us, in, in many ways, like you said, a silver lining, I think it's been a, a great experience for Wiley. I think we've come together as a culture. We're a global organization. Um, and I think we can also empathize better with our students, which has been great. Yeah, yeah. So um how about in terms of the delivery of content? Um, were there some last second innovations that you found to, to spring up during those first crazy those first crazy weeks when students were sent home, all of a sudden having a one-to-one -one setup uh, where they take their device home and kept it there? I mean, we, we talk a little bit about some of the, uh, the pivots that I'm assuming that you, you had to make during those first few months. Yeah, so I think in the what really happened, you know, in the first couple of months, everybody was really spinning, right? And we didn't even know um, we were in crisis mode, right? Yeah. So even though it ended up that online education has done quite well, which is my primary focus, uh, but it's the tale of two cities. Universities have struggled in, in other ways, um, and we try to support them where we can. So in the summertime, you, you know, universities really started to look as much as they could into the future beyond just the protocol of COVID throughout campuses, which was a huge focus, um, was starting to think about online education beyond Zoom school. And so we did have to scramble. Fortunately, I've got, you know, 1,200 or so people in my organization 
um, to help universities kind of spin up online courses, not just like an online program, right? Because they wanted to deliver an experiences that was more robust than your classic, you know, just synchronous session, right? What about the discussion boards and, um, and the other component to study, study guides and other things you would naturally put into an online courses, you know, maybe, maybe some canned videos that you do for people um, and really designing a course that could be done virtually versus something that say, hey, we're just going to do this lecture um, in, a, in a virtual setting, you know, that we've got to move beyond that. So we were scrambling a lot in the summer and the fall, even to the to get to the spring term. Um, there hasn't been, uh, you know, I would say tremendous innovations that were aren't already there, right? Yeah. So I think the technology, whether it was the cloud um, that was ready to go and bandwidth, all these things were kind of ready to have people kind of go 100% virtual, whether it was at work or in school. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, and I think when we were in the depths of the pandemic, uh, there was a lot of hand-wringing about learning loss and, and COVID loss. Uh, but now, as there's a little bit of a separation, I think, and we can have a little bit uh, of hindsight, people are saying, you know what, we did a pretty good job, all things considered. And when you talk about the technology, uh, I had a, one conversation with, with, with someone who was saying, this wouldn't have happened 10 years ago because the technology wasn't in a place where we could not only survive, but in some cases thrive, right? I mean, there are circumstances of districts and schools and students who actually um, have done better. I mean, it's, it's, it's strange to think, but. Yeah, and I think that it, it obviously varies. You're talking primary school, secondary up to post-secondary. So I, I don't want to, I'm more of a higher ed person versus a, a K-12, right. I don't want to judge that world. But I think as you think about higher ed, I think it really should be a both end versus an either or in terms of using technology, using online. Whereas things were really put off to the side. There was some statistic out there, 70 plus percent of students post-pandemic um, that are in an in-campus, you know, traditional age environment want to take a course or two online. That's significantly up from where it has been in the past. And huh. so I think when you think about technology, uh, you know, it, it, in any industry outside of education, it's, it, it needs to be infused in everything we do. And so it shouldn't be on ground or online. It's going to be some version of between, and you're going to use um, an in-person setting or a synchronous setting like you and I are having right now, very strategically, but as part of a larger online education curriculum that is built. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about where you see things heading. Uh, so some of these innovations that we've talked about, some of the platforms that we've talked about, um, are they going to stick around? Do, do yeah. you see that as something that's going to now become part of the, the mainstream way that we, we teach and learn? I do. I mean, I do think that it, it's not going to be this every year major gap up like we just saw in usage of, of online education. But there's kind of four areas that you know, think that I'm certainly trying to put my emphasis on in, in terms of Wiley. The first one, and happy to sort of unpack one at a time, is the idea that higher education will adapt and, and put a much greater focus on career outcomes. Hmm. I, you know, I think, and let me just define that for a second, because I think there's been a bit of a disconnect between what a university delivers, although with best intentions, and what actually happens to the learner and society and the employers ultimately. But, you know, to an outcome to a student, you know, they're looking for a job, they're looking to make more money, right? They're looking to, they're looking to, you know, secure their future, maybe change careers. And so it is my belief that higher education needs to much more closely connect 
the education that they're delivering to the outcomes that are happening. And so by doing that, they will make graduates a lot more job ready. Let me give you an example of what I mean by that is, so we do a lot of computer science degrees. We also have this tech training business I can tell you about in a second. But you know, computer science degrees are obviously have to be really smart to get those degrees, finish those degrees. They can be quite theoretical and often not offer the job-ready coding, let's say, curriculum that employers want right away, or maybe even the soft skills training that is expected of them when they when they hit the workforce. So it is our recommendation is whether it's we're doing stuff or working with university partners, is that you have to really think about supply and demand. And on the supply side, that's the university, that's the learner side. You know, the university needs to focus on understanding the job market, understanding the trends and building curriculum and learning outcomes around that. On the demand side, it's partnering with employers, actually understanding who those employers are, what job openings they have, how can you actually maybe build even co-curriculum with them to do things. So it's that locking arms that we need to see much more between universities and employers that I think you're going to see coming out of the pandemic. And we have this great business, I'll just tell you about and stop. Uh, that is, um, it was it was an IT staffing firm effectively, and they helped uh, large financial institutions find software developers because it's a as anybody works in tech knows how hard that is, and what they realized was that there was not enough talent out there, so they sort of backed into becoming an education company, and so now they basically find talent, they train the talent, and then they deploy the talent into the financial institution. So they really eliminated that friction for the learner and the employer in this sort of last mile training process. So stop with that. Yeah, no, that's uh, really kind of part and parcel of something that was maybe happening anyway, pre-pandemic, right? I mean, those were sort of trends that were occurring as you see that the pandemic just kind of accelerated that. That's exactly right. And, you know, you know, I would, I would take it a step further on this career connected outcomes. You know, I just, I just spoke to a president of the largest community college in North Carolina who is in big time on apprenticeships, right? And this is something that uh, America does, does not do a lot of. We do, but as a percentage of college graduates, a percentage of, of people in the workforce, it's much smaller than in places like Germany and the rest of Europe. And I think we have the infrastructure for it. We have the employers that want that. It takes a much more longer term mindset, but sort of infusing education in with, um, in with, in with the actual jobs itself, I think is a really important uh, direction that we need to go in higher ed as well. And how does that uh, tie your work into what the phrase that I keep hearing is uh, upskilling? Uh, yes. So even after higher ed and you're, you're going into the corporate world that, you know, we're supposed to be in this place of continuous learning. Talk a little bit about that and how that affects uh, the work that you do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say also another trend that we're really uh, zoning in on is just workforce learning. And we think it's gonna continue to boom in this post-pandemic environment. And let's just go into the reskilling, right? Exactly as you said it. And we, we just produced this report, uh, it's called Reimagining the Workforce in 2021, and found that 41% of employers estimate that technology skills lose their relevancy in one to two years, right? So that goes exactly to what you're saying. Yeah. This is a company, like we have a, we have a, a customer that's a large um, insurance company. 
And they had all of these folks with technology skills that were frankly outdated. And they had all this work that needed to be done um, using the Java programming language. So we went in there and helped them reskill. I think it was called 300 plus people. There were some, some others doing this work as well because they had such acute needs. So I do think that there's going to be a ton of need, right? You can't just go to school once, right? It's going to be a constant process of kind of going in and out of school in a much, you know, there, there's a place for the bachelor's degree, the master's degree, the doctorate, but there's going to be this, this microburst of, of uh, education that's going to happen. And you're going to have education providers that look like us, that look like a traditional university, that look very different. Um, maybe even internal uh, training uh, arms of these corporations, they're going to help fulfill those reskilling and new skilling needs. And do you um, foresee that you know, the way that we're communicating right now, I mean, this, this platform, the synchronous platform is going to be solid state. I mean, is that going to be the default or will people go back in person to say corporate training, you know, getting on a plane and going to Omaha for three days to, you know, you know to, to onboard onto a particular corporation uh, or is, is it going to be a bit of a, of a hybrid? Is it going to be a bit of- Yeah, I mean, of, like, I think at this point, there's almost no sacred cows, Right. And uh, I just met with a, an online culinary school, right? That I, I couldn't believe my eyes. I, I couldn't, I wish I could smell something, but it's incredible what outcomes they've been able to produce uh, because that's all that's available to them. And, and they've grown quite considerably. And it, you can see the outcomes and the jobs that they're getting people. And clearly the food that these people are preparing is working. So I don't think there are any sacred cows. I think that just to go a little bit more nuanced, um, it's not just synchronous learning, right? That's what's so yeah. amazing about technology. And you know, a lot of people are working nine to five or whatever hours they could do, and they might not be able to make that synchronous session. So I think it's also understanding how to design really robust asynchronous learning environments that can happen in the, in the workforce uh, area as well. So I think there'll be time and place for um, you know, short bursts of in-person training, whether it's a cultural experience you wanna get, a team building experience, I think that's gonna happen for sure, but I think you, you just open up the aperture dramatically and I think the, the pandemic allowed that to happen more quickly. How does that affect your content? Um, you know, when I think of Wiley, I think of you know, a traditional curriculum provider where you're talking about print materials, uh, you know, uh, but now in, in this dynamic, and especially when you talk about um, this online. I mean, maybe we're talking about multimedia or a new media type. So talk a little bit about your intentions for uh, your content. Yeah, I mean, we we certainly see ourselves as a digital a digital company, research and education, and so I think that's exactly the case. I mean, we're continuing to try to build courseware that is is digital first in its nature, and a great example of that is uh, Zybooks, a company that um, we acquired about two years ago that works with STEM programs, computer science programs, and is, and is sort of a, a textbook that is digital that is just updating regularly, right? It's not something that comes out and in the first edition and the second edition, it's an ongoing process and these simulations that they have is incredible. So I think we're just adapting to the new environment. I mean, ultimately learners still need to learn. The outcomes still need to happen. Um, and I think that, you know, we're going to just adapt, even though we're obviously a 200 plus year old company that published some incredible books over the last two centuries, which is incredible to think about. Yeah. But we're adapting and, and partially why my business exists doing the education services piece of the spectrum. Uh, you know, I knew that the toughest part of this conversation would be to end it. We could go on forever. There's so many yeah. different aspects that we can talk about. Let me finish up, though, by uh, asking you to kind of give us a bit of a horizon, maybe a three-year horizon, and then maybe even 
a little further off in a five-year horizon. And let's try to keep the glass half full uh, in terms of best case scenarios. So, you know, next fall, the higher ed goes back to whatever normal is. Uh, where do you see higher ed when we go back to normal uh, advancing? You, we talked about acceleration. Do, do you see it plateauing and us really kind of going back to a, a pre-COVID sort of normal or is it something else? No, I'm, I'm incredibly sanguine on the future of higher education, but I think it looks different, right? And so, you know, the way I like to think about it is, is post-secondary education beyond the degree, right? So the degree will have its place. We've got, call it 19 million, 20 million people in college today. Not all those are degree seekers, but I think that um, the need for post-secondary education is going to grow dramatically. And the pandemic sort of exposed some of these ed tech companies, let's say like a masterclass or some of the MOOCs, um, you know, People want their education faster, they want it cheaper, and they want that outcome right, right there, right? And so, you know, what we see is higher education can help fulfill those gaps and those voids through technology can help a lot. So they have all the means, they have the credibility, they have the brand equity, they've got all the tools that they need. You know, sometimes they're going to need support from a company like Wiley. Sometimes they could do it themselves. So I remain very optimistic. And, you know, it's hard to even look at student counts. But I do think that the, I, I talk about the iron triangle of higher education, which is accessibility, affordability, and outcomes. And I really think we're in this perfect moment right now where the pandemic allowed us to see how we can use technology so well, how we need to focus on outcomes, and that will drive the accessibility and affordability. And you have innovations happening out there. For example, I was just talking to Paul LeBlanc and how you know, there are people out there, he's trying to take just even the traditional degree, which I think was like 30 something thousand on campus a year to 10,000 on campus a year. So that was just a decision. He knows he's going to use technology to enable that, but he still wants to support that sort of in-person robust experience that a lot of people are still going to want. So I remain very optimistic, no matter whether we're talking about workforce, we're talking about a traditional student, we're talking about a non-traditional student. Um, there's just a lot of great opportunities out there. We just all need to get together and, and go for it together. That sounds great. Uh, I, again, I usually try to finish up with a, a glass half full uh, question, but I don't need to because that was <laughs> just uh, making me feel really positive about the future. Um, you know, there are a lot of worries about higher education through this. A lot of the prognosticators were foretelling uh, doom and gloom. But from uh, this conversation today, I don't I don't really hear that from you. Yeah, well, look, I think some schools that don't get on board and, you know, have models that, that aren't working or like there's too much of a disconnect between the price that they're paying and the value they're creating, I think are going to be in trouble. I, I don't want to make it sound all rosy. I'm talking more systemically. I think we're in a, we're in a great place to drive, you know, an increase in learner outcomes across the board. I mean, yeah. society, I think, is going to demand it. I think employers are going to be more active at the table in driving this. Uh, but I think some universities in particular are going to swept, get swept up if they don't adapt quickly. Yeah. Well, Todd, once again, I really appreciate your time and your insights. And I hope that we can follow up in a few months time once uh, we're really back at whatever the new normal is. And uh, we'll take a look at some of your prognostications. All right. Sounds great, Kevin. All right. Thanks. And thanks, everybody, for watching.